Hi there, and welcome to this week's Rugby Bits pod. Um, I think straight off the bat, we're going to sell cooks down the river because he's not joining us today. And um, I thought with Finn Russell scoring on the weekend, he'd be with us. But then subsequently, Bayon made a great comeback and beat Russell 92. So, so Cooks is not joining us purely for the reason that Russing that Russing lost. But yeah, I think I just needed to get that out of the way early. So welcome to the Rugby Bits pod uh, powered by Bet.Zero today. Um, there's just two of us on today as myself and Jared. Mate, how are you doing? Yeah, doing well, Sean. Um, yeah, you're mentioning that Russing uh, result early on. And uh, yeah, I'm also a bit disappointed by it. It, it messed up one of my... Um, Oh, one of my bets for the weekend so yeah i'm not too happy about that but uh yeah i i am laughing a bit inside because uh cooks doesn't have any excuses finn russell was even starting and he had a quality backline with him as well yeah and he, and and he scored scored a try um but you know i did call it this weekend on social i uh i, I said that he'd be joining us and then when i saw the results that uh, he obviously won't make it and just scratch that but yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, right. I think, as usual, we'll jump straight into first phase. And uh, I had, uh, oh, it was a, yeah, I, I'm a bit of a broken record, but it was a great trip down memory lane. This week's first phase question was, what is the best rugby tradition that you know of or have been part of? And I kind of left it at that, but basically where I was going was like, what have you been part of in your teams that has been silly and fun or has it been uh, something in, in, in the league or, or just really cool things about, about rugby? And we've got a couple of replies on, on Twitter, which I really, which I really did enjoy. Um, we, we had one on Twitter um, saying, in high school, we used to sleep with our match jerseys underneath our pillows which I thought was quite funny. You can imagine that conversation in school. Like if you make the side, this is, these are the rules. <laughs> Don't mess it up. Um, yeah, exactly. I know. Can, can you imagine? Imagine someone forgets it and you get spotted in the dorm. Yeah. And then it's that's, that's all his fault, the result. Never mind somebody 100. missed like five tackles or something. It's, <laughs> it's that guy's fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, uh, uh, I've I've also heard of I think Marisburg College do it, but a lot of other schools do it that they always hold the badge when the kicker's kicking. Everyone in the stand, everyone uh, on the pitch, the whole the whole school will hold the the badge while the kicker's taking his kick. No ways! I didn't even know that. That's yeah, awesome. It's, uh, yeah, I think that's a Marisburg College one for sure. Oh, that's what that's what I'm here for, man. Like that's yeah. exactly what I'm here for. Um. My, uh, my one is a little bland. I have two, but my, my, well, not bland. I mean, it's, it's not massively entertaining, but it's quite important for, for us. But um, I used to play at, at Hamilton Rugby Club, uh, Hammies in Cape Town. It's the oldest rugby club in South Africa. And every year we have a derby against Villager, which are the second oldest rugby club. Both of us based in Cape Town. Um, but yeah, we play for first team plays for a trophy, but obviously it's every, every side, um, plays, um, even the youngsters and the old boys and it's great and festive. The other one, which I thoroughly enjoyed and I most certainly copped a couple of times, but, uh, played in a rugby team where the dick of the day or the TFC award, the thanks for coming award, whether whichever one, um, if one wasn't given, the other got it. But the, the dick of the day, basically every week, was responsible for taking the full match kit home 
washing and sorting it out. And there was, you, you could get dick of the day the following week if you didn't like properly prepare the kit. So if it was wrinkled or there wasn't enough stay soft used or whatever the case may be, you could totally get dick of the day two, two weeks on the trots and, uh, and have to <laughs> have to clean the kit. But yeah, and in I, a rainy um, Cape Town, that's a that can be quite a hectic job. You could have it for four <laughs> months quite easily. <laughs> oh man, we oh there was some great. We we won. We got a kit back the one week where it was essentially only washed maybe the Thursday before, so it had been wet and grubby for a whole week, and then washed. So you could still pick up some of the the muff. Was it oh, was it white shorts or Sean? That's the that's the important question. White shorts or black yes, shorts? Mate, we play in white shorts. Yeah, I, I, uh, my, my high school, my in my matric year, we played in white, white jerseys, white pants. Yeah, that was not a favorite with the mothers. Hey, I can tell you that for sure. No, and no, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. You, my man, you've got any uh, any awesome traditions you want to chat about? School, school traditions, club, domestic. Yes. So the school ones, it uh, was more of the basic uh, ones at my school. So like the seniors would get to cut um, the juniors uh, hair, so full shaves when we did our rugby tours. Um, and then also the, the initiation of going to the back of the bus. And I was on the both sides of that. And uh, you have to tell a joke or sing a song or just had to make the seniors laugh in some way or another. Otherwise, you just got pelted with uh <laughs> pillows or fists or anything like that so that was one of them it's uh i think that happens in most schools around south africa um but joe i, I think we do have to talk about uh when you talk about traditions you need to talk about the ranfurly shield and uh yeah oh, pretty the much logger wood. the logger wood the logger wood so but um for those of you who don't know i think we have spoken about it on the pod before but it's basically just a trophy that uh, the New Zealand provincial teams play for. So not the Hurricanes or Islanders. It's more of your Auckland counties, Manukau. Um, I think it's Hawke's Bay that currently hold it. And uh, every home game that you play, draw uh, that every home game you have, you put the logger wood up for grabs. So you can only lose it at home um, during the MPC season. So Hawks Bay will play against Auckland. And if they lose at home, Auckland will then take over the shield and every home game that they play for the rest of the season, they'll put it up. So yeah, it's I'm gonna, a really, I'm, I'm going to jump in there. It, um, it's not every home game, but they have a certain amount of home games that they have to know. Oh uh, yeah. 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 I, yeah so I, I think with the MPC now with, yeah, I think with the MPC quite short, they, uh, if you win it now, you pretty much have to put it up for the rest of the season kind of thing. Yes, and yes. You, and you don't put it up for knockout games and finals, obviously. Yes, yes. And 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 even in the in the in the preseason, the guys put it up. So there's a chance that yeah. like that like a, a Heartland Championship side could pick up or I might yeah, be getting so my news wrong. My apologies, but but yeah, second division. Yeah, yeah. so you yeah, you can have like your really second, third division team are able to pull it off of one of those big NPC teams if they if they really up for it that day. So like I remember Canterbury playing against South Canterbury in preseason and South Canterbury, yeah, the first half they really bought it and I think they were only losing by ten or fifteen points, which against Canterbury, which isn't isn't a hell of a lot for them. So they were really up for it. But uh, in the end they they came short. They lost about by about 60 or so so second half it all fell apart for them but yeah. essentially anyone in new zealand um could hold the the log of wood which is which is great it's one it's like a, almost like a fa cup kind of situation anyone can win it 
Oh, it's uh, it's incredible, and it's um, and it's highly sought after by players and and fans. It's uh, it's massive. yeah, well, like, that, that, they also go on like a huge rampage right after winning the thing. If you take it off someone, they bring it home, and it turns into a big party. And there's some yeah. crazy stories about what the logger wood has been put through. Like, yeah, open bus <laughs> tours through the through the city. Much like the, is it the Stanley Cup with the with the um, ice skating, Sean? Not the ice skating, the ice hockey. Yeah, NHL. Uh, yeah, Stanley Cup. And yeah. my team, the Avs, just recently won it. So heading into a season defending it. But the Stanley Cup, I've seen some pictures. The uh, the top 14 shield also goes through. I mean, the guys have been surfing it. Um, that's That's been a great one. Um, yeah, I, I heard something about the Stanley Cup that uh, the one guy, uh, his kid was born like on the day that he won it and like he put his kid in, like that was the first thing that the kid like properly wore, like they made sure they just wrapped him in blankets <laughs> and chucked the kid in the Stanley Cup before it oh, had any clothes sensational. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to Google that and find it out. Um, Martin got in, yeah, Martin got in touch with us on Twitter. Um, Martin probably like the top of our dirt trackers and and supporters um he said uh, it, it was age group level at high school where the a and the b team traveled together um and uh, they always clapped each other on so the a will the a would tunnel, make a tunnel for the b side when they run for their game and then the b would stay and run uh, make a tunnel for the for the first team um yeah we've uh, obviously we've all made tunnels but um I, I must be honest i very when i played third team I, I don't think i ever made the first team tunnel we had a couple of fine sessions down by then so it was uh, it was a bit challenging jared any more from you before we uh before we tuck into the rest of the news Oh, uh, just another one that came off the top of my head. Uh, one of the rugby clubs I played at, uh, every time we had a new guy come into the team or he got a first start, he had to do do a tunnel. I mean, you have to crawl through the Oaks legs and everyone gets a good shot as you're running through. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure everyone's yeah, done mean, that kind of tunnel once in a while. Yeah, exactly. I've done, I've done a tunnel like that, but they guys use their slops as well. That was painful, man. Yeah, and you and can only go so fast, and then someone—the <laughs> what? The wet towels also come in. Yeah, and then someone jams his legs around around your waist as you're going through, and you get stuck, and, you, and then then it's free for all, you know. <laughs> Good times. Okay, so <clears throat> what we're going to do? Just jump through uh, just a quick little bit of news. Um, we top fourteen. So La Rochelle earned an away win by two points this weekend. Um, I know that Raymond Rule put in an absolute beast tackle this week, um, but you've got some more news on La Rochelle, Jared. Yeah, uh, Dylan Lay's going two for two in the first two weekends, so scoring in both games as La Rochelle won, so that's a big ups to him. And we actually recording, it's Monday today, so it's also his birthday today, so happy birthday to him. Yeah, what a great shout. Happy birthday, Dylan Nate. Safas abroad. Legend. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, Clement won at home. They beat Pau. Um, the reason why uh, Cooks is not here, Bayon beat Russing 92-31-25. Um, massive results. Uh, Russing did name <clears throat> a very competitive and fairly decent side, so a big one. Um, awesome pictures of them all... Um, Paying tribute to Verumi Vakatawa, who, as most people in the rugby world know, had, was forced into 
retirement from in French rugby at least, but it looks like it'll be retirement for, for good for now. Um, so they were all wearing Sean, Burmese shirts. with that game. Have, have you seen that uh, new Russian winger, the Enzo um, Ben Migo, I think that's how you say it. He's, he's, he's the next generation to oh. Tom. I don't know if you've seen him. <laughs> he's blitz. He's a youngster. Yeah. He's like 19. He's 18, yeah. 18. Yeah. Fresh out of Crazy. school. Crazy. You must care for what you say about Teddy Thomas. I'm still yet to see someone that is an as balanced runner as Teddy Thomas. That man just glides everywhere. But that the kid's fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Castro with a great win over Stade Francais. A 10-point win. So 30-20. Now, Castro... I don't know whether it's Castro Castro. Um, please forgive me. Um, but they are renowned for being sluggers and you're not going to get much rugby out of them. Um, you know, they'll just do what they need to do to win. But I tell you what, they turned it on, played some really, really good rugby. Um, so, yeah, that was, yeah, that was good. It does help when see. you've got uh, Nikosi in your team who makes 135 running meters. I <laughs> know, oh, he's, a, he's a beast. Eh? But he was there last and, year, wasn't and- he? Yeah, he was. He was. But I'm yeah, also surprised yeah. with them that they're playing so well with Rory Crockett's have been retired and they don't have Udapaleta there. And those two guys are always the driving force with them. That's why they played so ugly. Yeah. In, and in Crockett's coaching there at the moment. Just a quick one. Isaiah Kasim just carries on giving. He's like, carries on giving. He, he played at eight for Bayonne this weekend and they win over Russing. So. There was just yeah, uh, yeah. another one there. Um, Montpellier beat Bordeaux. I didn't see that or much about it, but I know that Gobisi was at 12 and he was pretty handy. And then the big one of the weekend, Toulouse played Toulon um, and uh, Toulouse ran out 28-8 winners, but they had a secret weapon that's not so secret anymore, eh, Jared? Yeah, well, I, I saw Dupont had another crazy game doing absolutely yeah. everything and getting two tries. Like, and it's also freakish. They lose um, Intermac and then off the bench comes uh, Capuzzo and uh, Malvin Gemini. So that, that's ridiculous depth that they've got there. Crazy, man. Crazy. Okay, Premiership uh, got underway this weekend. There were a couple of uh, cancellations because of the uh, sort of shape postponements from Friday night game because of the Queen's passing, but uh, they were all completed this weekend. Um, Exeter, so Omar Munami has just uh, moved over to Exeter as a, um, as their defense and, well, I know he's a defense coach, but he might have some, I'm sure, pretty sure he has other roles, but uh, Exeter won in the last minute with Namibian Schickling going over. Um, 24-20, um, they beat Leicester, the champions. Yeah. Yeah, England, England international. Just by the way, uh, we we just need to put it out there. He's a Namibian, but he's one of those uh, like uh, Don Armand, yeah, yeah. and also still... playing for the Exeter Chiefs. So, so very yeah. nice. No, Don Don retired last year. And uh, and still, did you see? He's still um, a Zimbo abroad, and 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 Schickling's still a, a Namibian abroad. No, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. But did you did you see um free birds in this game as well? He, Hero to, to zero, <laughs> first game of the season. Yeah, I saw he got a card. Um, yeah, so he... Uh, um, watch him too much. They kicked the ball through and he went charging after it. And um, when Harvey Skinner, the Exeter Chiefs uh, fly-off, was diving for the ball, he also dived and did one of those uh, rugby league slaps and slapped it into slapped it dead and cost his team a yellow card and a penalty draw. Yeah, listen, I don't think he's gone from hero to zero. It's the opening game of the season. Yeah. But yeah, yeah he, he, he would have hoped for a better start, I think it's safe to say. 
Um, yeah, fair enough. London Irish beat Worcester this weekend, uh, 45-14, massive result, but Arundel, what, first touch of the game? Two tries. Yeah, scorcher. Two tries. Ridiculous. Yeah, a scorcher, yeah. That first touch with his left foot, I don't know if he is left-footed or not, but uh, yeah, you could be in the Premier League with those kind of touches. Crazy, man. Um, Quinns uh, beat Newcastle away, 40-31. Tyron Green back fit scoring, yes? Yes. Yes, and Volko Lowe as well, also grabbing a try in uh, the first game. So Man with the biggest Harlequin's legs first, in world rugby. Yeah, Harlequin's first uh, tries of the seasons, both coming from South Africans. Ah, oh, beautiful. Seth is abroad. Okay, big one, um, which was supposed to be played on Friday night, but Bristol hosted Bath at Ashton Gate in Bristol, and it finished 31-29, and what a cracking game. So... Bath, um, I, I will tell you something. Bristol, are the balance that they have in front row, they've got Sinclair and, um, and the baby Rhino. Genge. Uh, yeah, Genge. Um, they both played, a great, both played a great game. They're great uh, on both sides of the ball in open play, but they balanced out. Like, um, Sinclair made a whole bunch of tackles. Genge did a whole bunch of other stuff, like really did well. I thought the Bath front row held up excellently, to be fair. Um, Chris Clutty uh, went off early-ish with the thigh strain uh, or a leg knock or whatever uh, it's called. Bath were in the mix. They were in the lead. They looked to get it away. And um, uh, Bath also had a player sent off in the first half, but he was a player that was on the bench. So one of their bench players got a red card. Now there's a fine waiting to happen. And he, got, um, he was sent off, so that obviously impacted them in the second half. But at least they played with 15 men. And um, Bristol went to to score the winner just on injury time and made a great fight back. So, you know, it is a derby and it's a two sides that both struggled heavily last year. So that was massive. Um, I, I I quite enjoyed yeah. the first uh, Ellis Gen try from uh, from that game. It was uh, yeah that it was Sinclair who sent him through the gap and it, it, like if you if you didn't know positions in uh, like if you didn't see the numbers on their backs or the size of them if you just saw that move um you would you would think it was a 13 setting a yeah, setting a 11 through the gap and going off to score it was yeah a great was great try incredible and so much passion and and he's so pumped to be back home in inverted commas i mean it's his it's his ch- childhood club um so it, yeah. it was always touted as the uh, Genge coming home so that's his first game gets a try um on on debut so brilliant um sale and all their south africans uh made short work well not short work but they beat northampton this weekend um Kortnoskosan did get yellow carded for an off the ball challenge or something regarding that i can't remember exactly what it was but other than that, um, Dan Dupree was was a beast, um, and Sal went on to sure. win. Yeah, and <laughs> then the big one of the weekend in terms of comebacks and results was Gloucester beating Wasps. Now, Gloucester were playing at home, but they very quickly went down twenty-one nil against a Wasps side that are struggling a little bit financially. Um, it's one of the two clubs that are really well publicly in the in, in a bit of shit. But but Gloucester then forced to come back and ended up winning 27-21. Now, that's, that's quite something. They, it's their biggest ever comeback to victory uh, in Premiership history, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it's all sparked by that Lewis Rees amateur trial where he intercepts in his... Uh, 
well, they turn the ball over and Gloss uh, is 22 and he goes and sprints away and scores. A hell of a try if you go uh, watch it back. And yeah, I've seen afterwards uh, his shoelace snapped and his um, shoes were actually broken. And apparently he has, a, he has a bit of a back niggle that he brought back from South Africa. So yeah, even more incredible. But uh, that, that foot race, I think it's between him and uh, it was one of um, Crossdale, Ellie Crossdale. It's a great, great start. It's always good to see two wingers uh, charge it out like that. And yeah, Reece Samets is always great to watch in full flight. Yeah, he he is he's rapid. But his uh, the the line he ran. I mean, he's run from his own twenty-two. He's run an outside arcing line, and then ended up finishing in the corner that of the side of the field that he almost started in. So it was like a basically a run from corner flag to the center dot to the other corner flag. (laughs) It seems so. Um, yeah, uh, incredible uh, try, but great, great result. But yeah, that's... Yeah, uh, Burgo Wurrendal also getting a try in that match, eh? On his no, debut. No, I missed that. On yes. his debut, yes. eh? Yes. Yeah, on, on his, his debut. debut. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing, eh? Uh, seeing Jimmy Gopeth in a, in a Leicester Tigers top was... It didn't seem right, eh? It Mate. really was. He's eh? so wrong. <laughs> I mean... No, no, it doesn't seem We've right. seen him play that's, for Leinster... We've seen him play for Lenser, yeah. and then he's played for Wasps, and both of them seemed fine, even after he played in, in New Zealand. But seeing him play in a Leicester top is yeah, just I, I can't imagine he. I can't imagine him in a in a Leinster top even now. Like it, it doesn't seem right if you told me he played for Leinster. Like I, I know he did play for Leinster, it just doesn't seem yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And Chris Ashton also playing fullback in that game. If we're going all the way yes, back, yes, he did. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, every yes. time I see Chris Ashton at fullback, I just remember that uh, that two that mistake he made at fullback for Toulon, where he tried to clear <laughs> the ball out, and it was pretty much a cross kick for the other team. It, it yes. was horrid. He was, he was under a hell of a lot of pressure. He also went on to score more tries than anyone in the top fourteen that year, so he did make. Up yeah, but it. in that situation, like thinking back at it, I would rather give the ball to Francois Herbert to kick out than give it to Chris Ashton in that situation. Yeah, he did. He did poo it, but yeah. Well, that wraps up all of that news. Now we're going to get on to the South African-based stuff. And we're going to start off with something that is sad for all of us Sevens and South Africans fans, but Neil Powell is officially no longer the coach of the Blitzbox. Now, I'm not sure if we or a lot of us watched the World Cup this weekend in Cape Town, and unfortunately the Blitzbox uh, didn't perform very well. They've had a bit of an up and down year after an absolute ridiculously good start. But um, they turned it on on Sunday and really, really the last game out for Neil Powell was, was a great showing by the, by the boys. Um, but yeah, Neil Powell, um, we're going to reflect a little bit on his career now, but he is currently the only person that has won a World Series as a player and won a World Series gold as a coach. That's quite something, eh, Jack? Oh, it's insane, Seth. It's, it's insane. And it also, it's like that stat just, um, it, it, it just um, perfectly describes what Neil has done for, for the Blitzbox in his career, both as a player and coach. Like He's been there for all the highs. Um, and I, I saw brilliant headline i think i think it was uh sabu that put it out that uh paul built the car neil sent it for performance enhancements and i think that's a 
Yeah, I think that's great. Like if, if we're speaking about Neil Powell, we also need to just mention Paul True and how he sort of set the platform for, for Powell to be successful. And Powell still had a lot of work to do. And yeah, he, he made a hell of a successful franchise for the for South Africans. Absolutely. Um, so Neil Powell took over in 2013 and, and he, he took over from Paul True who coached him. Um, but, you know, you know, for, for many, many years, uh, the South African 15 side struggled with the succession planning. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, it was all already, the whole platform was already set out for them by Paul True and the, and the, sevens, <laughs> and the sevens lads. But yeah, Neil Powell, um, he, uh, it's a nine-year coaching stint and one that will probably not be beaten in terms of what he has done and achieved. Uh, probably in our lifetime for for the Springbok Seven sides, but nine year um, career as a Springbok Sevens coach, um, and it was a golden era for the Blitzboks. They won three World Series titles under him, and um, they played in seventy five World Series tournaments, um, and thirty seven of the seventy five were finals, and they won twenty two of them. He. Uh, an Olympic bronze medalist, a Commonwealth um, gold medalist twice, Commonwealth bronze medalist twice, um, World Cup bronze medal. I'm trying to think what else. Um, there are a couple other things. So, I mean, that's going to be hard to beat for anyone. I don't think any coach can beat that, let alone, um, let alone any South African coach at the moment. Yeah, well, I, I think the only person that could, possibly do that is if Neil Powell and coached the the Fijians and then he would only be able to beat that <laughs> um yeah those folks are just freakishly good but uh it was an incredible career from Neil Powell and I, I will say I am excited about what he can do at the Sharks and I'm also excited about what this means for the Blitzball going forward like uh yeah I'd love to to see what the next coach uh has in mind or what they can change to what Neil what Neil has done um I saw another interview where they asked Neil, like, what what uh, suggestions will you give to the next coach? And he said, no, um, always bring in um, someone neutral to give um, honest feedback, and that's not involved in your setup at all. Because um, they, yeah, then you you start hearing things that you'll never hear before. So I, th I thought that was quite interesting. I th he was a bit more articulate than than I was just now, but uh, I, I definitely. I'm excited for what for what Neopole can bring. Absolutely, I am. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, and then uh, Neil Powell was interviewed after the game uh, yesterday at Cape Town Stadium, and uh, quite an amazing interview. And he had uh, this to say: What are you most proud of, Neil? Um, I mean, obviously, titles and winning shorts. What when you think back? What makes you most proud about what's been achieved in the last decade or so? <laughs> yeah, I think from a human side, the, the, the accolades and the, and the medals and um, the cups and the World Series and, and the Commonwealth Games goals will, will always be special. Um, but I think what's also really special and, and um, near to my heart is the fact that some of the players that came through the system went on and, and become successful in their life after rugby. Um, I don't want to mention names because there are a lot of them. Um, I almost call them the, the class of 2016, um, the Carl Browns, and, and that that that's uh, school. Uh, Frankie Horn that was here this weekend as well. Philip Snyman, and you can name a, a lot of names and all the names out there. And I think they 
they obviously to see where they've gone after the game, the, the, the people or the human being that, that they've developed into. Um, it's just amazing. And that's something that will definitely, will definitely last forever in my memories. Um, but also the, the memories with that, um, the good times, the tough times, um, the dancing. Um, yeah, so all those memories will definitely stay with me until well, the day that I, I go through the next life after this one. Yeah, awesome stuff. So moving on swiftly um, from Neil Powell, but sticking with the sevens, you know, Jared, while we were, we were chatting about this a little bit uh, on the WhatsApp group and, and whatever, we were having a think about the players that Neil Powell has basically been involved in. So since 2013, now I wasn't able to get a list of a full list of players, and I wish I could. But I mean, if we're going to go through a couple of, of, the, of the guys that are absolute legends of, of Sevens Rugby, let alone Blitzbooks uh, Sevens Rugby, um, we're probably going to, I'm going to start with Frankie Horn uh, as one of them, but you've got a few guys. And then, I mean, he's also coached a number of guys that have gone on to become, Springbo- uh, gone on to become Springboks in the 15 side. But um, who, who are your, your legends of Sevens under Neil Powell? Yeah, so um, I think we automatically have to go to Cecil Africa. Um, he made mm. his return this weekend, but uh, Cecil is always the, the first name yes. there for me. Sorry, and yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. And, then, and he wraps up his career, so came out of retirement, international retirement essentially, to play in the World Cup. And, and you know, a lot of people seem to forget that we'll, we'll probably not see him in an in a SA jersey again after this weekend. Um, yeah. So there's another he great career with Neil, that is pretty much. an end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, other guys, I, I think we have to mention Sia Bellas and Atla as well. Like he's dominating for the Stormers now, but uh, and it take, took him a while, but I think uh, you sort of forget how prolific he was. I mean, he scored 230 trials for the, for the Blitz Box. That's, that's an insane number. And he probably was only halfway through his sevens career if, if, if he didn't go to 15th. <laughs> yeah, like if you, if you look at a guy like Dan Norton, I think Dan Norton played a hell of a lot more tournaments than what uh, than what Bello did. Yes. Um, so yeah, other names I'll just throw some out there: Branko Dupria, Chris Dra, uh, Carl Brown, Frankie Horn. Um, yeah, we have to go: Quaker Smith, Van der Kork, Ruan Davids, Ruan Nall, um, Kurtley Orenser. Forget about him as well. Angelo Davids. Chez and Colby. More, more me. Chez and Colby, Roscoe Speckman. Uh, we also, Warren Whiteley. Yeah, Warren Whiteley. We, we also had uh, Francois Oko. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, yes. you know, he, 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 wasn't, he was uh, more of a book by that stage than a blitz book. But uh, yeah, he, he was Banner, definitely also there. Did it the other way around. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll tell you something interesting. Um, the, the talk... Um, I was fortunate enough um, to uh, meet up with um, Greg Clark, the Australian commentator, uh, when he came down for a sevens tournament in Cape Town to, to uh, take the mic. And he said to me that almost every single one of the coaches and, and, uh, and sort of the, the people in the know in the sevens, like the coaching staff and the very experienced players and everything said that if Warren Whiteley chose to play sevens rugby and only sevens rugby he will be the greatest sevens player ever yes okay 
They said they, that's, they said that's he quite was a big that away. good. They said he was wow. that good. That that he was in yeah. and and he but he from from the time he was called in, he always said, I want to play Springbok rugby. I want to be the spring I want to play Springbok. So he, yeah, he then fair went enough. on went on to do that. Now I, at the time I thought to myself, ooh, that's a ballsy call, but we hadn't seen so many players um take that pathway like for, for argument's sake, the All Blacks uh, and the and New Zealanders do. Um, yes, yes. I, that's more of a pathway for them where we, we are only coming right to that in the, in the last year, two years, we, or three years, we're really, really seeing the value of seven. Um, but I thought that was a big call by Whiteley because I thought he would be a phenomenal sevens player and a really good, um, and, and a good, very good super rugby player and, and possibly a book, but I thought he'd probably have a longer career in sevens. And how wrong was I, man? Like, when yeah. he was playing Springbok rugby and he was the captain, he was by far one of our best players, you know? Oh, so it's yeah, amazing even when, how... Even when Rashi took over um, and, we, and we won in New Zealand, he, he was a catalyst for that victory over New Zealand. He was insane on defense. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you just need to remember that a lot of South African fans will remember that attack on CJ Perinara that he, he just somehow got back there. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's incredible. Um, another player, um, Cornell Hendricks, one of my, probably one of the greatest stories ever. When he was playing sevens, I was and thinking to myself, man, this, this guy could probably cut it in 15s. And um, I think he was one of the first guys that went straight from sevens into the 15s. He was very close to, so. if, if not uh, the first, but, um, and, and totally deserve it. Another guy that we, we, you know, between Whiteley and Cornell Hendricks, we really, uh, really were were robbed um, because of their injuries, um, which really sucks. But I'm trying to think of some so other guys. I've, I've, I found the um, uh, 2014 Commonwealth uh, Games final team that uh, won gold. So we've got um, Chris Drah, Quokka Smith, Frankie Horn, Warren Whiteley, Cornell Hendricks, Carl Brown, Branko Dupria, Mark Richards, Justin Cadult. Cecil Africa, Vanna Cork, and Siabella Snatler. That is Jeez. a crazy good uh, sevens team. Um, just uh, staying on that uh, game, New Zealand, we, we beat New Zealand in that final. They had uh, Scott Curry was uh, one of their players, DJ Forbes, Akira Yuani, Peter Aki, uh, Brasim, Gilis Kaka, uh, Joe Weber, and um, ben Lamb was also playing that like that game. Also, another <laughs> incredible sevens player. What a match! Yeah, I see. I'm gonna. Uh, I might just. What, what year was that? 2018. You said. 2014. 2014. 2014. I'm gonna have to go yeah. and have a quick squiz. I might have to see if I can pull up that final somewhere along the line. Yeah, hit Dave um, up with a message. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um. I think, yeah, wrapping, uh, we'll probably be able to wrap up the sevens there. Is there anything else you want to, you want to mention? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Um, I, I, I think uh, we've, we've uh, sang Neil's praises um, throughout the pods. Every single time we have got the opportunity to speak about the Bliss Box, we've really spoken highly about him. And, uh, yeah, I, I wish him the best at the Sharks, and it's not just because I'm a Sharks supporter. <laughs> You mean bulls? You you've made a slip sharks of water. Sharks of water. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Piss piss. I must apologise for 
uh, what Jared has said. Uh, he was not told. <laughs> he clearly made an error. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, the one thing I am happy about, as sad as I am to see him leave the, the Bliss Books, what I'm happy about is we are keeping him in South African rugby and he's going into 15s and I have no doubt in my mind that he will add massive value at the shop. Um, yeah, I, I've, change, I've got a feeling he's going to do a, a Brendan Null, um, a Brendan Fencer um, at uh, Saracens kind of thing. Uh, maybe that's me being a little bit hopeful for the Sharks, but uh, set mm. that kind of culture that lasts while after he leaves. Well, um, you know, that's the kind of person he is. He's all about, uh, he's not just about the rugby and the results. He's about creating the right environment with the right people, making sure they're happy, really growing people personally. And that will, and, and, the, and the results of all of that coming together will, will, will be favorable. So I think we're in, we're in a really good space. I'm looking forward to it. And I think the Sharks are probably missing something like that. Um, they've definitely certainly got the players. They've got a great um, place to be. It's an awesome environment. Um, he's just going to make everything a little bit better and, uh, and you know, kind of, sort of cut off the, the excess fat, so to say. Huh? But, yeah, um, that's great. Now, we have uh, a fair whack of time to, to talk about the Springboks and the upcoming weekend. Um, it is Rugby Championship Week again. Just a reminder to everybody that um, – Bledisloe 1 um, is going to be played on Thursday at 11 o'clock in the morning or 11.05. Joe, you might be able to correct, or you can correct me there, but uh, it's around about 11 o'clock. Um, so quite interesting that they've gone with Thursday kickoff. Do you know the reason behind that? Uh, it's uh, the NRL finals weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So they've moved the game to the midweek so that uh, it doesn't clash with the NRL, Fair believe enough. it or not. And they'd, uh, they'd, they'd lose all yeah. their eyes. Yeah, it's a quarter to 12 South African time, the Australian New Zealand game. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, on to the books. So the, the squad's only being announced um, tomorrow, uh, or should I say Tuesday at 5 p.m. Um, so we've got a, a little bit of time to speculate on a few things. So for those who haven't heard, um, Altinianchis has been sent home. Um, if you're not sure why, you can Google it and go find out. Uh, we're not going to dive too deeply into that. Um, but um, uh, that, that severely impacts our, the balance of our, our squad and, and the current makeup of the guys all in, in Argentina. But Jared, you, you have a little bit of insight into, into the, the team naming and who could be available and what sort of bench we're going with. What 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 do you reckon we've we've got going for Saturday? Yeah, um, I I think we sort of going um, the same as what we did against Australia in the second test. Um, we're gonna try play our strongest team in inverts and commas. Um, it sounds uh, fr from what I can tell, we're gonna go with uh, Malcolm Mark, Stephen Kitsoff, Maherba starting again. Um, I don't know whether that's changed or not. But uh, that's sort of what, I, what I'm hearing. Um, but also we're going to have Ulrich Lowe coming on on the bench instead of uh, Dwayne Vermeulen. So, yeah, Dwayne's uh, going to get a rest or dropped or however you want to put it. Um, I think uh, he's not quite uh, hit his best since um, coming back. And, yeah, I think they want to get his fitness up again before they reintroduce him into the team. But, uh, yeah, I, I saw good signs in the last match against Australia, but obviously the coaches. Yeah, seen seen enough of him from the three matches, and I'm going to give him a rest. Okay, and uh, and a, and a five three bench. 
I, I that I'm not actually sure about. Um, I also don't know what's happening with Franco Morstet. I don't know if uh, Peter Steftitoy is um fit enough to come back in this week or or not, and whether he's going to go straight back into the starting lineup or if we're going to have Peter Steff on the bench, which isn't a bad option. But uh, I, I I do know they like to they like to start Peter Steftitoy and let him into his tank completely, which is a very large mm. tank. <laughs> yes, yes. And it seems to grow year on year. Um, yeah. Okay. And um, so, and then where would you like to, like, do you want to see Pollard come back at 10? You Would you like Willemsa to have another go? Like, there's no doubt about it in my mind that, that Michael Chaker is, is going to have, well, it's not like he needs to get the, the Pumas pumped, but he's mm. going to most certainly have the boys frothing and ready. Um, the Pumas uh, are in a very unique position where they get to, if they beat South Africa on Saturday, then they would have beaten all of the um, opposition in the rugby championship for the first time in, in, in ever, you know, ever. in one, in yeah. one tournament. Ever. Well, yeah. it'll probably be the first time in a calendar year that they've beaten South Africa, New Zealand and Australia, which is yes. mad. Yes, and, uh, and, and they're perfectly you, you capable spoke about of doing it. But we don't have Pollard. Eh? Pollard's out for the rugby championship. Him and I'm oh, both out. So I'm a dumbass. Yeah, we, I'm a dumbass. Yeah. So Willems is starting at 10. Yeah, so that one's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're going to hide away from that. Like we know Damien Willems is going to be starting at 10. And we'll probably have uh, Francois staying on the bench with Billy at fullback again. So, yeah, whether they look at bringing Faf back into the team to do maybe compensate at ten if we need an extra ten cover, I, I don't know if they will really do that. I think Corbus uh, Corbus Reinach will probably keep uh, his place on the bench, and we'll have uh, Jaden Hendricks starting again. I don't know what you think about yeah. that, Sean. Yeah, I, I would. Um, I would much rather start Hendricks. I think our whole world uh, pivots around um, an accurate at nine and ten and. We've got to start it at nine, and uh, Willem, uh, and Hendricks is by far the best at the moment. So definitely, we'll be starting him. And I think midfield, we're probably going to go with Damien Delandy and uh, and Jesse Creel again. Eh? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think we'll see any changes there. Um, at the most, we might get Andre Esterhuizen coming oh. in at twelve, and that would be a total um, like that would be a wild card from the from the box. That uh, they just threw it out there, and it won't be a dropping of Damien Dalander. It will be a rotational switch, I think, and uh, just surprising our position. But I, I would really love to see Esther Hazen get a go, and um, I'm sure the Harlequins would also want him. Um, I'm sure they won't be happy with him just being in the squad and not playing when they've just kicked off the season and that they don't have him kind of thing yeah i think he played all but one premiership match last season so he definitely wants him in your team so he's missed he's missed the first one now <laughs> yeah um yeah i will uh i will say something i don't think they make a, a change at 12 with Willem at 10 i think uh no i i, I don't think so either I, I i think it's a possibility but i don't think it's mm. very likely at all mm. um so yeah, I, going back to the the other change that I mentioned with uh, Arik Lowe coming back in, I think it's going to be a, a great test match for him to come in. Um, he really stood up against Wales, and I've been dying to see him since. And we just haven't we haven't we haven't got the chance really. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 
And I, I think he gives us a nice option on the bench. He he covers blindside. He covers lock and and, uh, yeah. and and eight kind of thing. Um, Jasper Visser is running on fumes at the moment, even though those fumes are quite brutal, as he showed in the last test. But uh, he's mm. racking up close to 40 matches in the last 12 months kind of thing. Yeah. I think um, I think it'll be great to have him on the bench. And, and I think uh, I, I would assume that Quacha would probably um, be the replacement eight. And then, uh, uh, and then worst case scenario, um, Lowe will go in at eight, you know, if we, if we suffered a couple of injuries or whatnot. But I think, yeah, I think he's there for blindside and four. But essentially, you don't see too many changes. So by the sounds of things, and also I, I'm quite happy with it, we don't make any changes in the back line and there'll be minor changes in, uh, in the pack. Do you reckon that could change up a few things in, in the loose trio? Um, maybe uh, Kulisi, Lowe and Kwaka to start? No, no. I, I think that we'll have um, we'll have Khaleesi and Visa definitely starting, and then um, I think it will be between um, Peter Steff and Franco Morstet. And um, yeah, the, the, I think one might feature on the bench. I think we might go back to a six uh, six two split again. Um, I'm not 100 percent convinced, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think we might go back to a six two and like have um, Ulrich and um, Peter Steff or Ulrich and Morstet on the bench. Hmm. I must say, I think we're going to probably go with a 5-3, but I uh, don't have any issues with a 6-2. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, uh, and, and what do you reckon our chances are? I'm, I'm, I'm done with predicting straightaway book wins because uh, I've got them horribly wrong this whole season. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just quietly sit back and, and throw you <laughs> under the bus. What do you, what do you reckon is going to happen? <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm also tired of calling Bok wins, but I'm going to do it anyway. So, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I think I think we should beat Argentina. I, it's always difficult uh, playing there in Argentina and the, the whole cliches of going to Buenos Aires and uh, it's, uh, you've got all the 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 crowd backing them. And yeah, I, but I think what's uh, was clever from the box is the minute they finish that game against Argentina, uh, Australia, they'll pretty much pack in their bags on their way out. After um, Esbeth was able to have his beer with Alatoa, they were sort of like, okay, cool, get on the plane now. So I think they've had enough time to settle in there. And it's not like going to play the Aguarius back in Super Rugby days where you left on the Thursday and you played on the Saturday, kind of. Yeah. So I, I, um, I, I think that's good. Yeah, I, I was I was actually waiting on on Monday um, after the uh, Australia game. Um, I was actually waiting for the Springbok squad to be announced. Not not the the match day squad because it was two weeks away, but uh, yeah, the yeah. travelling squad. And I completely missed that that we basically took the the Australian the squad that was named for Australia to to. Um, to Argentina. So I, I quite like that, actually. Um, I think it's mm. a great bit of continuity. I think, in theory, it was a great call um, by Ninaba because we were, if we had won both games, then this would have been the series decider. Um, we would have, mm. uh, if, we'd, if we'd won, we would have been able to take the rugby champs. So I think that's, um, well, not the series decider, but it would have definitely put us in great position playing our final game at home. So Great shots. We also know what we're getting. There's no new players that have come come in. There, all those guys that those fringe players will all be available for, um, for the and most likely playing in some way, shape, or form. 
in the final game, which could very well be the series decider. So, so yeah, that's that's quite something. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Agustin Creevy's back for the Pumas this weekend, isn't he? Yes, he is. Um, they didn't mm. blow, They didn't go to Argentina with. Um, uh, they didn't go to Argentina. They didn't go to New Zealand with uh, all of their older boys. So they left. They purposely left uh, guys like Creevy behind. Um, there was another older player that they left behind. I think it was um, uh, so Orlando. Didn't or, go. And a couple of guys. So most yeah, of the European-based players, the guys well, that are playing club rugby in European Europe. <laughs> yeah, but a, a lot of most of their like the guys that were released were European best players. So they've all obviously gone to touch base and, and do whatever, you know, but, uh, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm loving the, the change in dynamics for traveling now and how Chaker has done that, like released a bunch of players. They're not being dropped. They're being released and they're mm. managing and, and they most certainly are managing their players from a, a way in which um, Rassi Erasmus was had to manage players when when he was coaching, mm. and how Jacques Nienabes had to do it is you've got to release players, you've got to keep clubs happy. Australia are learning that the hard way now after last year with the Cooper and Karevi um, issue. Um, same with yeah. um, with um, with Sean. He McMahon. also hmm? Sean McMahon or. Yeah, yeah, he also uh, he, turned down a Wallaby recall because of club issues. So I think that's going to be the norm now. Um, yeah. I think um, New Zealand, Ireland, um, England don't won't really have those problems because they all pick internally. But um, you, you're going to see the guys are going to slowly start having to negotiate where they're going to have the bigger squads. And that way you get to... You know, work with a player, send him away with the roadmap as 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 a Springboks call it, and um and and then you can always you know he's being fit and looked after. You're getting weekly feedback or daily feedback from the S and Cs at the club side, so you know it's it, it's doing well. Um, you know that's just how it is. It's the the new landscape of professional rugby. You have to start uh, not only looking after yourself, but making sure that you keep the relationships up with the re- European clubs who essentially looking after your most important players so no for sure and uh yeah those players also want to stay at those clubs and continue earning the money that they do especially with Absolutely. no Aquarius left so yeah i, I think uh checkers playing the long game and uh trying to look off these players and uh he's in the same position as shark and rassi are in the sense that uh there's no real off season um until the world cup and these guys have been playing Pretty much since rugby started again after COVID, so so yeah, I, I, it's pretty much a long slog, and you're going to need um, depth, like you can see with the Springboks. We constantly ask what's going to happen at fly half. Now we're finding out what's happening at fly half with Damian Phillips playing there, and uh, yeah, ho- hopefully he he goes well again this weekend. Um, I'm I'm quite interested to see who um, Argentina have up against him because. Uh, Carreras went off quite, uh, he went off injured against um, New Zealand. He's been named in the squad, but is he good enough to go or are they going to bring in Ura Paleta to start? And it, it's, it would be quite interesting if it's Carreras because Carreras is, um, also doesn't play 10 at his, at his club, but he's playing 10 mm. for, for Argentina. And they started the season with Sanchez and Sanchez lasted 10 minutes of the new season under Checker. And, before he got injured so 
but he's also been forced into into a makeshift and if we can call him that mm-hmm. yeah very interesting i think that uh that's going to wrap up the book talk for now i think um, i'm hoping that we could maybe string through a couple more pods this week um obviously one chatting about the previewing the south africa argentina game this weekend but yeah, another one is uh, focusing on the URC, which kicks off this weekend. But I want to have a chat with you, Jared, about something that I was thinking about when I went for my run this morning and um, my mind kind of went wandering around about a few things. So it's a hypothetical discussion and, and it's, it's quite a hot take. Um, it's around if... Elton Yanchis does not return to the Springbok camp. Um, so obviously with everything that's happened, uh, he's uh, been sent home and um, the, the, a lot of people are wanting him. Well, even before this issue, a lot of people didn't want him in the squad anyway, regardless of how well he played or whatever the case may be. But my, my thought process was around, hypothetically, Elton Yanchis does not return to the Springbok setup. Knowing that we are a year out from a World Cup, knowing that um, our director of rugby, Rassi Rasmus, our head coach, Jacques Narber, will not take an inexperienced fly half to the World Cup. Um, knowing all of that, I think that if Alton Yanchis does not return, the biggest loser, and I'm talking rugby, rugby specific, Springbok rugby, the biggest loser in the situation is Damien Willemser. And the reason why I'm saying that is if he, if Damien Willemser will then automatically become our first stroke, second choice fly half for the World Cup. So the whole reason why he wasn't picked for the World Cup in 2019 as a fly half is because he was inexperienced. So he went and he went as a utility and then covered 15. He's now had an incredible season, uh, well, coming off an incredible season, playing at 15, filled in at 10, filled in at 12, played a great game against um, Australia at 10. Um, he did make some errors. Uh, I think it's important that people know that because a lot of people are, are starry-eyed about his performance, but he did make some errors and errors that could have cost us. But the thing is, is he's an ex- inexperienced, but an experienced enough fly half to go to the World Cup. So if he is our second choice fly half, that means we lose him as our first choice 15 and he will only then be a backup 15 and maybe a backup 12. So but, that's my but thought is that process. The case? Is is that the case? Can he can he not be our second choice uh, fly half, but our first choice fullback? But why, are you willing why, to why take that risk? That? Yeah, why not? He, so that means why not? That if, means... If, if if you've got um someone like uh, Johan Horsen coming into the squad, and we know he's a and a a player that the Springboks are interested about, if we have a Johan Horsen in the squad, he effectively fills the roles that Damian Willemse had as the um, fullback, um, fly-half, backup kind of a kind of role that he's played this year, and he's now gone into a more um, solid, a more permanent role for the rest of the the year, possibly as a fly-half for the box. So I agree with what we, you're saying about Husson. What I disagree yes. is how is your views on 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 Willemser? Because so I, I I think that you can have um you, I think you can have him as a first choice fullback and your second choice fly off and the minutes that he's going to be playing that's fine you, 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 if you think about it it's okay you 
how many pool games are we going to have? We're going to have four pool game matches. No, okay. Mate, this has got to be this has got to be something that we're setting up come November and next year. So it's not just going to be pool games and stuff. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be how we're looking at the process from now on until the World Cup. I think it's so too then, much of a workload to 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 play those two positions. Is what you're saying for. for for Willemse to be a first-choice player, but not our first-choice 10, he is our second-choice 10. So either he's got to fight for, fight for Pollard and take, take the number one fly-half position of Pollard, and then that essentially changes, changes the dynamic because then he'll start and then you can move him around afterwards or take him off and bring Pollard on. But with Kursen with, with coming in and filling that Willemse role, I totally get it. But what country plays their first and second choice fly half full time. Maybe, maybe, maybe England, England. because they will, maybe England, England, but but remember um, Farrell, whether Farrell's played 10 or 12, he's had someone else always there and thereabouts and they happily will drop someone else and put Farrell in. So England, maybe, but no one else plays their first and second choice um, fly halves um, 100% of the time. Or start both of them in obviously different positions. So, so the way I see it is that Willemse's um, kicking game is not strong enough to to be a full time uh, fly half, like uh, to be the number one choice fly half for the Springboks. So when I say that, like Pollard's um, kicking game definitely is good enough to do that. Plays kicking, kicking out of hand, kicking for touch. That well, kicking for touch we can t- chat about, but uh, the rest of it, Pollard pretty much. Um, is world-class. That's where Pollard really is world-class, is his, is his kicking game. And I don't think Willems is, is quite up to scratch. And I, I would argue whether um, Huesens is or isn't. So I don't think Willems can quite go for... He, he can't take that number one jersey away from Pollard. He can almost hold it for a bit for Pollard. And he can still be a, a first-choice fullback. That, that's that's the way I sort of see it. If we're going to have to go into our emergency stocks, there's always um, Moray Stain, and Moray Stain says he's retired, but if he gets another shot, if he gets a shot at a World Cup and a shot at redemption at a World Cup, you bet you he's going to take it. And yeah, I, you, you also said that Rossi said he won't take a young Flahov to a World Cup, but maybe Jacques will. Um, I think Jacques' um, idea for fly-off is a little bit different to Rossi's, and that's why Pollard's form has been a bit up and down. But Jacques' fly-off does need to kick as well as Rossi's fly-off. I put it that way. Yeah. So I, I tell you that um, the Monestan situation, especially for a World Cup, because then Monestan will just literally be filling in that position, and Willemse will stay as is, will play a little bit more and all that. But I'm just really worried, like especially if we go to six twos, I'm really worried about um, about that that number twenty three jumper. If we have only Pollard and Willemse as our as our outright tens, and 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 Willemse, who goes to a World Cup with with one outright ten, like it's and who 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 names a squad with one outright ten? Forget about the World Cup. Like there's just way too much like. Train for training purposes, you you would need, you know, you, for, at training purposes, you 
then going to be training against your third or fourth choice fly half because your mm. first and second choice fly half are currently in the in the back line. So I'm just I just think it's risky, um, but I also think that Willemse has really like he's really thrown the cat amongst the pigeons in 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 2022, but with his form, you know, he's really like basically said. You cannot drop me. I will be starting because I am that good, and I will play wherever you want me to play. I can start in one of three positions um, uh, for any at any given game. Whether you want it for a build-up or a final, or whatever, he could probably start at any of the positions. But you want him starting, so hmm. there, I just think that the the dynamic and the balance is going to be thrown. And I think just replacing with Huisen, who I don't have a problem with. I have a, an issue that he's coming back off injury. So he needs to now yeah, regain. But Kwasin's always coming back off of the injury. That's, a, that's the other thing. And, yes. But and what he, what, what he, was, he was badly is, injured. Eh? He was badly injured. Yeah. So this is a major thing to come back from. He's still got to then get match fit. He's got to get his confidence back. There's quite a lot that's happening. He's a talented guy. Like he could just yeah. seamlessly go back into it. I just think that we're banking on something that we really don't know yet. <laughs> We'll find out right. in the next two weeks, but I, I, just... I, I do hear I do hear what you're saying, but uh, I think Horson fits in that category of players that are just so naturally gifted that it won't take him too long to to get back to full fitness. Like uh, he, remember France staying at his age, like you just shave a few years off of uh, Jan Horson, and you've got you've got another France staying. He gets back in quickly. Like Willemse also comes back and he doesn't take too long, if, especially if he's playing fullback or centre or look how he played in the URC um, semi-finals for the Stormers having come back from mm. injury. He played mm-hmm. a cracker of a match. So the, the other thing is, is let's say um, we weren't playing Willemse at 10 this weekend. Who would we be playing at 10? We'd probably be going with France Dane. Okay. And and that just shows how scary, bad dude. our depth is at fly half. And yes, it's not ideal to have your fly half playing, uh, your first choice and second choice fly halves playing that many minutes in the, and both starting, but it's the situation that we are in. And all the other younger guys that we've either tried to get in and have a look at haven't been up to scratch or can't stay fit. I mean that Cade Bonter was uh, one of uh, they picked him for that green goal game, and we've barely seen much of him since then because he's been injured and now he's playing for the under twenty ones, uh, the Stormers under twenty ones. So we either need to take a big risk and go for someone like Sasha and bring him in earlier than than we would like to, like we've done with Cade Moody, or we need to go back to an old head like Monet Stain and going somewhat the route of Monet Stain's a little bit less risky. Yeah. I I don't feel we are in a heap of shit at 10 um, as much as I think we probably could be in trouble at 13 because I think 10 can be managed. Talking specifically Rugby World Cup, I still think we could manage it. Even, even if we go with... Um, with Pollard and Willemse as your first and second choice fly half. I do think that we could do it. I just think there's a little bit more risk involved there, one injury, and then we really, we're really kind of guessing. So we were always going to be blooding some guys in November. Um, so looking forward to seeing what's happening, but I, I don't see us um, doing anything crazy. I think one thing for sure, so I feel that Yanchis could 
could come back from this. I don't think that this situation will end his Springbok career. However, there may be more things that are going on. There might be um, a couple of yeah. articles out there about other issues that have been going for a couple of months and whatnot. So that could all potentially, this could just be the straw that breaks the camel's back. You never know. Um, well, but the, you, the Springbok coaches also need then um, question whether he's the right kind of player to take to, exactly. to Japan. And they, well, not to Japan, to France, but they, they talk about him being a good team player. But now he's had two incidences that uh, have impacted the Springboks. And yes, they were saying, yes. okay, well, if we're going to take him to France, is he going to get up to shit in France? Like, are we going to have to drop this guy purely on his off-field antics? Because yeah. uh, so, we know he's a good player and they constantly talk about him as uh, being a great team player in the sense of, of, of training and analyzing and that kind of thing. So, yeah. So I, I look at this and I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for this. I look at this essentially as the same situation had, had this happened to Andre Pollard and we lost him. I really do. Like, I think I see the value and I constantly am reminded about the value that Altinianchis brings to the squad. And he's a player that you mm. could always count on to play if you need him to play. Everyone always talks about the Wales game. Whatever, man. Like, I've seen, I've seen Pollard play those sort of games, you know? Like, the guys all have bad games, you know? There were quite a lot around that game and him coming back and returning from injury and not playing and whatnot. So there's quite a bit there. So I do think that he adds a lot of value. I think the dynamic and, and, and the balance is really going to be thrown. Um, but uh, the, the coaches will no doubt um, get onto that quickly about how to fill those gaps and, and sort out what they need to sort out. But it's going to be interesting. And as I said, it was just a hypothetical thing I was thinking about while running, like how, we, how are we going to manage it? Because I don't think the best thing for Damien Willems and the Springboks right now is for him to be the second choice fly-off because currently he's not. So he could so, be, but we, we, don't, we, we can use him there, which is great. But he's not the out-and-out second-choice fly-off. Alton Yanchis uh -huh. is that. So, but uh, it will I, definitely I add to his growth and, and his development. So I, I, it's, it's not an ideal situation, but it's a, it's a learning curve for him. And we've said it this whole test season for the Springboks is we want a lot of answers, uh, we want a lot of answers to a lot of questions. And, yeah. We sort of got that uh, we can have Damian Willemsen starting a test match at Blahoff last weekend, but now we can find out whether he can back it up this weekend. And if he can start adding those finer details to his game, the game management, the kicking for posts, um, the kicking for the line, we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily want him at, at Blahoff all the time, but it looks like he could be a very good choice there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that was it. Uh, I'd, I'd look forward to hearing, um, I'd love everyone's uh, feedback on this hypothetical. I think it will, will be a cause for great debate. Um, and well, I don't think we'll I, have I a lot it, of, uh, not a lot of time, and we'll kind of have answers to this when we name the squad in South Africa and the mm -hmm. squad for November. So yeah, yes, Derek? I, I, I think it's a scary possibility that uh, we, we might not see mm. um, Yankees back in a, in a Springbok jersey. It, mm. it is a possibility. And, yeah, if that comes true, then, yeah, we do start looking very thin going forward. Yeah. But um, I think thin for World Cup. I think we do have talent. I mean, we didn't even speak about um, Jordan Hendricks. You know, he's, he's talented. Yeah. Like, 
what are we what are we going to be looking at? I look at Hendricks and 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 Gomezulu um, as two guys that could really take us forward. We've got enough guys to fill those gaps. How are we going to manage it? Uh, is it is a different story. Yeah. Um, but both and of we them. We could see Chris Smith coming in for for Chris those uh, SA Select games as well. Smith, yeah. So sorry. We, we've. We've got some we've got some options. But yeah, I think um I think that wraps it up wraps it up nicely. A couple of questions. I'm looking forward to the Springbok side being announced tomorrow, Tuesday, and then uh some rugby on Thursday and then the game on Saturday. So so yeah, so so that's that's gonna wrap it up. Jared, um do you have any shout outs before we wrap it up? Uh, I don't have any shouts out, Sean, but uh, I, how about we quickly um, get your predictions for the URC this weekend? <laughs> no, I, dude, I, I'll rattle off the games honest. and you call winners oh, and you. losers. Okay, <laughs> because I don't even know. All I know is that Leinster are playing in Italy. I don't even know who they're playing. <laughs> so, but okay, go okay. for it. Like, I, I'm happy okay, to go ones. for winners and losers. Go. Benetton, Glasgow. Where? Oh, you obviously are naming yeah. the home side yeah. first. Yes. I'm going to go with Glasgow. Carl Stain's going to rip it as the new club captain next. Zebra Leinster. Ah, oh, Leinster going to take that. Yeah. Carter versus Munster. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I, I reckon I reckon Munster come out and they come out hard with a heavy dominated forward pack uh, and game and uh, start cooking. A couple of new boys um, in the mix, but uh, Munster take that. Uh, I think so too. Um, and then we have a Yuxkay Davi, Lions versus Bulls. Yeah, Bulls are taking that, mate. Yeah, pretty sure about that. Scarlets versus Ospreys. Ooh, a Derby. Uh, I reckon Scarlets, uh, Scarlets at home. Yeah, uh, Ulster versus Connacht. Oof. I yeah, think Ulster. I think Ulster too. It could be it could be tighter than expected though. Um, but I think Ulster Ulster take it. And then uh, the last one that I have here is Edinburgh versus Dragons. Uh, Edinburgh. Are the Sharks yeah, not I playing so the first week? Uh, it, it doesn't look like it. Um, Sharks Stormers off. Sharks versus Stormers. Uh, that doesn't sound right. They should be playing this weekend. Yeah. Oh, you know no. what? I do. I do think the Bulls game. I don't think the South African sides are playing in this week one, this first week. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So if you look at the dates of those games, you probably find the, the SSIs are playing later. So non SSIs for the first one or two weeks. But but yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Well, good good shot, Jared. Nice little nice little end. Oh. But uh, thanks very much for joining us um, all the way from England. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Thank um, you, Sean. <laughs> Couldn't have done this without you, my man. Um, and a massive shout out to Beto Tsiro today, who've supported us since the Beninging. Um, and uh, that's Robbie Bits Pod signing off. We look forward to catching up with you later in the week. Bye.